already messed up. We're going to act like that didn't happen. Uh, I should just start over. No, we're already live. It didn't play? It started from not the beginning. Let's try it again. Just just hit play again. <laughs> See what happens. I want I want to know what happens. See, we're already past it. All right, we're just going to keep going. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Uh, the little error there at the beginning is because StreamYard, our hosting platform, allows us to do background music. So I tried to play with having the intro there at the beginning and uh, didn't go amazingly, but we're going to keep flowing here. I got Frankie Cardicelli of Sacktown Sports 1140 joining me today. We got two of the three amigos from the last episode. What's going on, Frank? How you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh, just enjoyed what could be King of Murray's last game of the summer, question mark. That's something we'll probably talk about a little bit, but uh, definitely was a fun evening if you are into that kind of thing. Uh, but I'm staying cool. <sighs> Thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner in a little bit. I've seen some Arby's references. They're on the Twitter feed. I don't know <laughs> if that's going to be the route I'm going, but uh, how are you doing, man? Are, are you uh, recovered from Vegas? I mean, because of that, that last night, you and Chris did go out and and I stayed back like the, the old man that I am. So how was that? Are you, are you recovered? Yeah, I'm recovered. I, I think that uh, I'm still getting back on a sleep schedule that's not Vegas because we were staying out a little bit later and didn't have to wake up till a little bit later. So I'm getting back used to my early morning walks with Molly or else she'll let me know about it if it doesn't happen. Um, and before we go into the meat and potatoes of this episode, just shout out to Chris. Chris is sick, so that's why he's not on this episode and i do want to say chris does not have enough followers on twitter and this just this isn't just me hyping up my guy chris takes phenomenal pictures and i'm gonna peer pressure him into posting some king's takes a little bit more often too but if you're not already go follow chris at chris m watkins on twitter yeah chris is a he he's a quiet guy i think he's shy and I, he's just starting to kind of break out of his his bubble he's a damn talented a photographer and videographer and for sure people need to, to go see the work he does because he's starting to kind of tap into uh that side of things he put up some great practice footage a week or so ago some great summer league footage uh he's a wizard with the camera so definitely go check him out because he's he's a pal he's a good buddy of ours so and he's and he's he's, rest, he's he's resting up right now so he needs absolutely it. Um, and anybody listening to the audio format, we are on YouTube as well. I always forget to mention this every episode, still getting the hang of that. Um, and we're going live today as well. So anybody in the chat here that wants to drop us any questions or anything, we'll have a Q&A segment a little bit later. But if you're listening to the audio and would prefer video, then you can check that out on YouTube. The plan today is to go through game four of Summer League that the Sacramento Kings just played against the Lou King-led Phoenix Suns. Um, we're going to talk about the KZ Akpala edition, a little bit of this or that with some rotational guys. And then we have a Q&A segment that's going to be uh, kind of how we wrap up this one. And just to start with this game four that the, Sun, that the Kings just played against the Suns in Las Vegas Summer League, um, maybe a little bit of a worry at the end there when the Kings couldn't buy a bucket to save their life with Keegan Murray on the bench. But what are some of your main takeaways or what stood out the most to you, Frank, from this uh, Suns and Kings game? Well, Keegan Murray has to start it. I mean, the, the guy has a 20-point, 10-rebound, double-double in three quarters, 22 minutes. Uh, I think we know and there. I think we kind of knew coming into tonight that he didn't really need to play tonight. He probably needed to play 
I mean, obviously retroactively, you can't really say that because you have to see him play to have this thought process, but he didn't really even need to play in summer league is what I think. I think he is someone who now we know for sure is completely ready for the big stage this fall and seeing him create the way that he can tonight. I mean, seeing that step in three pointer from about 32 feet was, was, I mean, I didn't know he had that in his bag. So it's, it's pretty encouraging to see that it's not just a couple of game fluke, a couple of games fluke. It's six out of seven games. He is top the 20 point mark. The one game he didn't was that second night there in San Francisco had nine and nine. So even when he's having a bad night, he's creating and producing other ways. So that's obviously my biggest takeaway uh, of the whole summer really is that I'm excited about Keegan Murray. And basically it's just, how can you not be excited right now? I mean, how, but before I get into the next things, I have a couple more things too. I mean, I know you do too, but let's just start with Keegan. I mean, were you even surprised or at this point, is it not surprising? Is it just kind of, even when he's having a quiet night, quote unquote, quiet night, you look at the box score through a quarter or two and he's, he's already flirting with a double double. Is that like surprising to you? Or do you just kind of come to expect that? It's like weirdly a little bit of both. I don't expect the extent of the numbers that he puts up, or at least I was expecting him to put up numbers, but there's at least one, two, three plays a game where I'm like, that's a little different. You mentioned that ridiculously deep three. He had that shot at the end of the first quarter that was just like phenomenal footwork, and he hit super contested over one or two Phoenix defenders. There's been some moments that he's creating off the dribble that we've seen in some of these games. The Indiana game, I think he had back-to-back possessions of doing that offensively that really stood out to me. So... I think that the way that he's been able to create some of these looks has surprised me at times, but I mean, this is kind of what Keegan did at college too. I don't know that I thought it would instantly happen in summer league. And I'm really, really close to saying that I think his ceiling is maybe a little bit higher than what I had initially thought. But what was that initially? I just didn't think he would make an all-star game. I guess is a way to say it. And now I am starting to think that he could, you know, sneak into one or two throughout his career. I don't think he's a perennial all-star or anything like that, but I think it's potentially in the cards. And I don't know that I would have said that before, but I'm also, I was supposed to not be saying this yet, Frank, and you just pulled it out of me because it is summer league and I, I feel know, like I should calm down, you know? I know, but it's, it just seems to me, and I'm not trying to have it, have it be like a, a king's cop out. It just to me, I don't want to say it's different, but the way that he's doing it just seems so. I don't want to say unimpressive, but it's the most. It's just it's just effortless. Maybe is the right word because imagine him in the in the lineup with Fox and Sabonis and with Harrison Barnes if he's still around, which I believe at this point he will be unless they make a big move. But he's he's not taking the ball and, and playing playing hero ball or anything. He's only created kind of off of one-on-one or, or on his own maybe a handful of times, and today was one of them where shot clock's winding down. He had to kind of step in and take that that long three. That doesn't happen too much with with him, and it's not like we're, we're seeing this again. I said I said hero ball, but I just kind of want to reemphasize it because that's what usually you see in summer league, guys that are the top four or five pick kind of taking over and trying to do too much, and he's not doing too much. He's doing the perfect amount, 8 of 14 from the field today, four of eight he he's a catch and shoot threat he's someone who has the i'll say a little bit of ability to create on his own and that's impressive to me that he has so much room to grow but 
he still is a far ways along already as it is as a rookie. So that's kind of like the fun part of it that we get to have someone come in who in my mind is probably the leading candidate to start at the power forward position or small forward, whichever one Harrison Barnes is not playing come opening night. But uh, it's just, I feel good about it. I feel real good about it. Absolutely. Uh, Anybody on YouTube is going to see me occasionally highlighting comments here as uh, people kind of start to filter in and we'll have a Q&A segment a little bit later. I see somebody asking about a starting lineup or if he if Keegan should be playing next game. We're going to get to those specific questions we've already had asked a little bit later. Um, The other thing that I've seen with Keegan, while I have been intrigued of maybe there is more upside because of that self-creation flashes that you've kind of touched about, I also think that there's been a handful of moments where it's like it's really easy to see how this works with Fox and Sabonis. There's a lot of dribble handoffs going on with the Miyashkata, and it's like, okay, if that's Sabonis, this is just working even more smooth. You know, there's been a handful of back cuts where Keegan's reacting to guys um, kind of top-locking and worried about him um, from beyond the perimeter, and there's a couple back cuts that maybe he's not getting the pass that he could, and Sabonis is going to hit those. Like, we're seeing Keegan do this as a number one option that the defenses are so keyed in on him when he's going to be the third or fourth guy out there on Sacramento's roster. So it's just like so easy to see how this clicks right away. Um, The one other guy, do you have anything else on Keegan before I move on to some of the other guys that we saw? No, just, um, I mean, I don't know if you want to have this be a separate conversation later, but he's done, right? I mean, he didn't, he hasn't played in the fourth quarter. I don't, I don't think he, needs to play tomorrow i mean i think it'd be fun if jabari smith and keegan play each other but i'd imagine both are probably going to be inactive for a i don't want to say meaningless but they're not playing for anything tomorrow so i i would say to me i would believe he's not going to play not playing in the fourth quarter has me believing he's not playing tomorrow is that are you in the same camp i think so but i don't really know you know like he really can win summer league mvp and he might already be the favorite. Shouldn't he already be it? I mean, I, Cam Thomas had a great summer for sure. But maybe, maybe we see like a a co MVP situation again. I think, yeah, it's what happened uh, last year, right? Cam Thomas and Davion Mitchell both got that. Is I it Cam, is it Cam Thomas again? Am I? Um, that's right. Is he doing it again this summer? Yeah, he's doing I it again this so. summer. Yeah, he's a second year guy, and I think he, he already won the broadcast it. today. Uh, yeah, he already has one. Let Keegan somebody get else. one. I'm absolutely with you. No, I think that Keegan's up there. I think Quentin Grimes is the other one that's talked about a lot. Um, I haven't caught the most New York games, admittedly, or when I do, I'm just watching Daquan Jeffries on that roster because, of course. Um, So I I think that there's other people to be considered, but I think that Keegan has been phenomenal. I mean, outside of now he's played Paulo Bancaro, he's played Chet Holmgren, and he's played Benedict Matherin and been the best player on the floor for all of those games. Like, Each I think time. the Paulo one is a little bit debatable. Paulo had a really good game in that one, but I think that they went back and forth, and no question with those other, Benedict Matherin and Chet Holmgren, that Keegan was easily the best guy out there, and he's matching up against them and, and vice versa in some of these. So I've been super impressed. Um, I'm okay, very okay, with him not playing tomorrow against the Houston Rockets. I also would be pretty excited, I guess for the sake of my own viewing experience, if we did get a Keegan Murray versus uh, Jabari Smith Jr. Because, you know, who doesn't love to see two lottery picks go at it? Yeah, I just feel like 
unless that's happening, unless they get word from Houston that, hey, we're, we're playing Smith or they hear that Smith's playing, I would – even if Murray wants to play, because you know he wants to play, I would just at this point – they. We we've seen it six seven game out of seven games twenty points per game we we get it let's let's put it you know whole strip for now and let's wait till October that's just kind of the way I feel about it because we've seen what we need to see from him so play it safe I don't think it ever hurts to play it safe at this point in the summer especially when it, it's the Kings and their luck yeah for sure does not because if something knock on wood were to happen to Keegan we would never forgive them for him playing in this game so absolutely see where you're coming from there. Um, one of the other guys I want to talk about, DJ Stewart, who did play today. He played a little bit in the last game that they played as well. I believe that he was unavailable for the first games of Vegas. And I also believe, um, actually, I'm not sure about the Cal Classic. I want to say that he maybe played in one of those games. But he was in street close at the beginning of Vegas. And I believe that there was an injury. I'm not doing my job by not knowing exactly what it was. Oh, there's a But there was a Sorry, slight buddy. injury. You're totally fine. It's not loud. Um, so I, I think that DJ Stewart was probably the guy that was meant to be starting initially. When they let us watch a, a full practice, I guess, slash training camp, whatever you want to call it, uh, prior to them going to the Cal Classic, DJ Stewart was the guy running with the unit of DJ Stewart, Keon Ellis, Keegan Murray, Jared Roden, and Amiya Skeda. So I think think that dj stewart was the guy that was supposed to be a starter but did this injury happen in practice that's what i mean it was never disclosed to us but again also i think we kind of just got into the the frankie ferrari distraction frankie ferrari starting at point guard and we kind of just took that and ran with it and that was kind of the the talk for a little bit we didn't really i think we kind of forgot about it because i remember that second game i was thinking where is dj stewart because he did play well for stockton last year he was with the organization last season why isn't he playing right now? Because you'd think a team that they, they want to see their organizational guys play, but I guess not. But tonight he played well. Like I actually did. I was impressed by it. I see why the Kings are, are sticking with him in Stockton. And uh, I would have liked to see more of him over Frankie Ferrari, obviously through these, these summer league games in Las Vegas. But uh, again, it seems like it wasn't in, in his control. It seems like he was battling something, but um like I saw tonight, didn't have a great night from the field, but it was the other things I saw. Just him creating on offense. Um, the shot looked good coming out of his hands. Just wasn't falling as much as he probably would have liked. Uh, but, yeah, I was impressed by it. Do you, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I'm shocked right now, like, pulling up the box score. I'm like, holy shit, he went 6 of 17. Like, it wasn't great. It, I, thought it was be- I thought it was better, too. I thought it was, like, yeah. 7 of 11. He had a really good first quarter, and – by the end, it almost was like he was trying to do a little bit too much. His floater in between game wasn't really falling. He seems like a guy that when he has the other options out there, that he's solid at setting them up. But if he's like feeling like he needs to be creating a little bit more for himself, that it wasn't going great. Because I, I thought he was playing really solid at the start of this game, and then that fourth quarter was pretty ugly for everybody that was out there. And a lot of that has to do with yeah. Keon and Keegan and Nimi not being out there for a majority of it. Keegan, not any of it. Um, it was a disgusting fourth quarter. It, it was kind of reminiscent of, I think what the Kings have been on the opposite side of a lot throughout summer league. In I, these crazy I was gonna, comebacks. I was going to say it was kind of remini- uh, reminiscent to what the Kings do during the regular season. Just that usually <laughs> it's a third, usually it's a third quarter, but just uh, you have your main guys out and they all, all summer long, the, the bench has been, bad i mean the king's bench this summer has been 
bad. There isn't really someone you can go look at and say they're a total bucket getter. I mean, Sean McDermott had a good, a nice run for a couple of games there. Uh, Matt Coleman was good for a while as well, but he also was a starter, I think, for a game or two there. But um, th- there really wasn't any – there wasn't really a great option or even a a feasible option in the bench this summer. So that's kind of a difference between this summer and last season just off the bat right there I think is why – we're not looking at a, a game on Sunday uh, for a ring, mind you. Wow, a ring! A give us nice two of those ring too. It was those look those look those look heavy, man, yeah. for summer league. And I can't remember who said it in an interview. I think it was it wasn't Keon, was it? Some someone said, "Yeah, like hell yeah, I want one of those or something like that." It, it's how could you not? I want one. I is there is there but, any way what, that that happens? What, like, when are you, when are you gonna wear a summer league ring though? Really, you'll wear, you'll wear it the day you get it, and do you, do you get them immediately? Do you have to be sized for them? Is this really what we're doing? I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I don't know if I like it. This is gonna start getting added to the resumes. Like we're gonna be talking about pitching Keegan's Hall of Fame. Uh, his what uh, he, yeah, his Hall of Fame pitch later in his career, and it's like people you know, are projecting. He, he's those. got three rings, and one of them's a summer league ring. You know, I, I will say if we have a banner hanging from 1951 <laughs> or 50, is that the right, right year? I mean, I'm not 51. Yeah, 51. I think. Yeah, if we have a banner hanging from 1951 and a Pacific Division banner hanging from 2002, uh, we could probably put up a summer league banner. And I made a, a picture at one point as a joke. Just like that summer league, like raise the banner thing, but it's like kind of like if we're gonna have those, like, what's the point? Let's just hang up everything we do, you know? Why not? They should have hung hey, up. They sh- Go ahead. Who was the guy that opened Golden One Center and they have a banner up of an artist up there? <laughs> Paul Paul McCartney. We have That's Paul McCartney banner. Yes. We have a Sleep Train Arena banner. <laughs> I'm surprised we don't have a Tyreek Evans 25 and five banner because that's something <laughs> that we would do. Or Demarcus Cousins 56 points. I'm telling you, it sounds crazy, but that's something we should do um, because we is. don't have any banners the past 20 years, pretty much. It's pretty hilarious. At, at least hang them up in in Cox Pavilion, which, yeah, like a high Cox school, like a like win a like a high school championship or a banner, and they hang it up in there. Yeah, they should have like a banner for each summer league championship in in Cox. Why not? Yeah, can I a little insight by the way into the Vegas trip? Cox Pavilion is just the easiest joke in your life like the amount of times that that name got thrown into some sort of joke was just too often it's too easy easy. they really should debate you know working something out there to maybe maybe cox center (laughs) is huge (laughs) yeah and all these people in here yeah it's it's been interesting for sure the other (laughs) news of today was the king signing casey okpala um who was on the Nigerian national team with Chemezi Metsu, head coach Mike Brown, Jordi Fernandez, and Luke Laux as well. So, And I, I did mention Chemezi Metu there, I think. So now the Kings are working with two different players between Metu and Akpala and three different coaches that were on that Nigerian national team, which is a little bit interesting. Can't help but wonder if Sacramento would have been able to land a guy like, like Akpala without that sort of influence and pre-built relationship that Mike Brown and some of the other coaching staff has. But a little bit of background on Akpala, 32nd overall pick in the 2019 draft. He's 6'8". I've seen him at 6'9 in some places with a 7'2 wingspan, and he's just 23 years old. Um, He spent three years with the Miami Heat and could never really break their rotation. Um, I went back and watched a little bit of the USA and Nigerian 
I think it's technically called a friendly because it was like a warm-up in a way for the um, – was that FIBA? Or it's actually the Olympics that that, that was. Um, and I think that Drew, what is it, that local guy, I think it is on Twitter, did a little film thread of it as well oh, so you can check it out. I love that guy, by the way. That guy, is his, videos, his videos, oh my goodness. And that's where the Arby's craze comes from. Kings fans yes. are turning like an Arby's fan base because <laughs> – Drew's leading the charge, man. So Arby should cut him a check. And the whole Adin Alberto's, like, have you noticed that all of those restaurants have are spelled differently in different places? Like, I have one near me. I definitely had one of their breakfast sandwich. Uh, are they really? This morning. The name is spelled differently at every single one of the places. Like, I swear they just ordered the sure? wrong amount of letters. Yes. Or is it yes. like the Mandela effect? Like the Burstein, Burstein bears and, and stuff like that where you oh, think I'm it is? I'm pretty sure. I'm okay. pretty sure I've looked this up. I'm going to have someone fact check me on this pod and let me know uh, because I'm very curious. But I'm pretty sure that is the case. But, yes, Drew uploaded uh, some clips from that USA and Nigeria game. And you can kind of see – uh, the way that Mike Brown is using Akpala to guard Damian Lillard, like the versatility that Akpala has on the defensive end. Mike Brown even said he thinks he has defensive player of the year potential, which who knows, who knows how much is lip service and hyping up his guys. You know, I'm not saying that. That's for sure. Um, but it's telling that he was starting on that team and playing a significant role. Um, the issue with Akpala is his offensive game. He was 5'10 his freshman year of high school, so he has guard skills that slowly developed or stuck along as he continued to grow. Um, and it's almost like these dribble handoffs and okay at putting the ball on the deck, and he has good athleticism and the length that I mentioned of a 7'2 wingspan for finishing. Like I think in transition he could be all right. It's the jump shot that is uh, not the prettiest looking thing um and chris haynes was the one that reported that the Kings signed him to a two-year deal what is your initial reaction frank to uh seeing kz akpala joining the roster i mean obviously i don't think a lot of us knew too much about him coming into today but like you i spent some time kind of looking at some some film i watched the tape shout out luke walton i watched the tape looked at some things um Obviously, his length is going to be very needed on this team. They don't have a backup small forward right now. Technically, he is it, which is kind of a – I mean, it's not the most attractive uh, backup because, like you said, you want to have more of a scoring punch. I get that. But I like the idea of him being a specialist or being someone that can play on a matchup basis, like a need-to-need basis. But um, he is 23, and the Kings do have a very good coaching staff. Now they do. I mean, on paper, it's a good coaching staff. They can hope, hopefully work with him. Maybe Sabonis can get him in touch with Lethal Shooter because his workout videos have been <laughs> crazy, which I don't know when we're going to talk about that, by the way. DeMontis Sabonis' workout videos and shooting videos this summer have been, I mean, he's he's it's kind of not not the hoodie mellow. Uh, it's not in the hoodie mellow range, but in King's fandom lore, it's like Sabonis' shot. He might really be something big this year. So maybe KZ can get in touch with, with those guys. But um it's, it's a good move for a – it's a young player to come into a young core because I've said it before. I think we talked about it over the weekend in Vegas, how the Kings are kind of back into that not quite the super team just young discussion, but they now have a young core again. And there's some guys that are drafted and that they've had. There's some guys they've traded for and some guys they've signed. Because we look at Sabonis, Fox – Sabonis being the oldest. Sabonis, Fox, uh, Davion Mitchell, Keegan Murray – 
You bring in a guy like KZ to come fit in with Monk and Herder, guys they just brought in. Uh, I, I like that idea of the fact that they have these guys that are under contract for multiple seasons and they can kind of grow together because that's what this team needs to do. They need to, to not go through one year and blow things up, have young guys that aren't exactly polished like KZ. He's not polished by any means, but give him a chance to grow together because given a year or two, maybe this guy can grow into someone to be a real rotation piece. But right now, uh, what he is is a, is a lengthy defender who can defend the three through five. He played mostly power forward and a little bit of center last year, which I found a little surprising because I think some people are kind of pegging him as a, a small four, but that's not really what that's not really the case. So how do you see, do you see him as someone that's going to be power forward depth or do you see him as someone that's supposed to be at the three or does it really matter? Is he got interchangeable? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that, more often than not, I define positions by who you guard and your defensive capabilities. And with that for Akpala, it's interesting. Like like you said, I, I spent some time watching a little bit of Miami stuff from last year, and it, I was surprised to see him playing the 5-2. A lot of those times, like, P.J. Tucker's out there too, and it's like, ah, they kind of share responsibilities a little bit as a 5. But I don't know, man. Like, I, I think that he could be used – uh, even a guard like point of attack for some of these guards. Like, I think he might be the second best guy after Davion at doing that on this roster. Um, well, shout out Keon Ellis, of course, but it, it's. Let we'll me make it 25 minutes, 25 minutes without you giving him some love. Yeah, it, it's about our time. We're, we're getting okay. there. We're getting I'm sure he's on your list. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but weirdly, offensively is something that I think you have to think about Akpala's position because he does kind of work as a five on that end. Like I saw him in the dunker spot a lot. And again, running those dribble handoffs, like kind of functioning as a big. So unless he can clean that three point shot up, which he shot the ball pretty well as last year at Stanford also talked about as an extremely bright person. Like um, there was a great Sam Vecini piece in the athletic from that 2019 draft that I encourage everybody to go and check out where it explains KZ kind of having to, talk to his parents and explain that he wants to pursue uh, basketball full-time because they were always huge on education. He was taking AP courses uh, during his time at Stanford, and there was also like a complication of he got benched for a portion of his first year at Stanford because his grades weren't quite up to par for Stanford standards. So I'm um, guessing but, he had like, what, a 3-7 instead of a 4 I think it was a C-minus in this one course, which, to be fair, is not great. But I think the fact that he's trying to take AP courses while pursuing the NBA and a professional basketball player and going to Stanford, um, it does say a lot. Like, he, he's talked about it as an extremely intelligent person as well. So um, that's intriguing. And I've been really... I think harsh on the Kings for saying that they don't have any upside swings on this roster. And I think that that is what Okpala is, you know, somebody that like you can cling on to the little flashes and be like, man, maybe there's something here in a little bit. Um, he's only 23. And I think upside swings on these wing forward type talents is intriguing to me. Um, somebody says in the chat, basically a younger Mo Harkless. I've seen that a couple times. I think it's kind of accurate. You know, I'm okay with that because I, I wanted so badly Mo Harkless to be Mo Harkless for his whole Kings tenure, and it just never really happened. Like I, I really wanted him to be that guy that we saw in Portland, and it just never worked out that way. So if he can come and be 2016, 2015 Mo Harkless, that is what exactly what the Kings need. The Kings need that kind of guy who can play 3-4, defend 3-5, through five, 
and have some athleticism and maybe a little bit of a little bit of potential to have that shot grow because you have to have a little bit of an offensive game in today's NBA, at least a, a little bit and somewhat. And I know that he was a player there for, for Miami for a minute. So he's, he comes from a winning program. He comes from uh, Spo. Like he's going to come in and he'll have a little bit of a basketball background. And that's a good, a good get for Monty McNair. And he's trying to build this roster. Like you said, with guys that have high upside because before, I mean, who was the last Kings player that we had that we, we talked about that, that the Kings had not we, <laughs> uh, who's the last player the Kings had that was kind of similar, like Robert Woodard, I think. Hell yes, Frank. It wasn't even you to say it. Yes. I said your other name. Yes. Love Bob. Bobby Woodard was the last Kings player that you looked at and said, if, if he could just figure it out on offense, he's going to be something else. And it just never happened. I was so excited at that San Antonio game when I realized Robert Woodard was playing. It was ridiculous. I think that was the Chet game also. Uh, I forget who it was. It was some lottery pick matchup, and I was like, "Holy shit, Robert Woodard's out here!" And I, I just thought I think that was it was, a, I think it was the Spurs and Celtics game we watched. I don't know. We saw a lot of people. Maybe. You know, I guess that game we watched Justin Jackson play. He had twenty four points or something, but we left early. Yeah, Justin. I mean, I think this is kind of a decent segue. I, I don't think that Alcala means the Kings have their small forward situation solved. I think that if you're relying on him to play 15 minutes a night as your backup three, it's kind of a tough spot. So, Justin Jackson? <laughs> not not actually uh, the idea of Justin Jackson, but more so like they need another three on this roster still. Do you think? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people out there are clamoring for the Matisse Thibault to come over and, and kind of fill that role or something like that. I'm not sure if that's quite what's going to happen. Uh, it might be another one of those, whoa, like who's that? Because I think half of, not half of people on on Twitter, but people I was getting reactions from were saying, who's that about KZ? And it's like, I guess it's kind of fair. I mean, he, he only played 21 games last year. He's played 64 games in his career. So I don't think a, a, it's a household, he's a household name by any means. And there's going to probably be a couple more of those of those players that Monty McNair is going to kick the tires on before he makes it, that decision. But um if the Kings roll in the next season and they want to kind of go with Terrence Davis as their backup three, that's a little undersized for my, for my liking. I think they need to bring in one more six, seven, six, eight, um, six, nine, even range wing because they, they aren't a total complete roster right now. I think that uh, having that one more, that one other move can make them that much more uh, a polish because if you look at the guards in my mind, the guards are set guards are set. I think center is set. If you if you are going to roll into the season with Sabonis, Holmes, and Len, even if that's going to be uh, your pick, Len or Akeda, to me, there's a discussion there. Uh, I think could be had. So small forward and power forward are the ones you need to figure out. Keegan Murray is a great start. Uh, if Harrison Barnes is around, that's a great start too. Trey Lyles back in the fold, sweet. But the small forward in particular is the number one uh, area of need on this team. I am with you, and I want to ask you a little this or that with with minutes per game with some of those guys that you just walk through. But as somebody, as Jason points out in the chat here, um, this is the quote from from Sean Cunningham of apparently what just happened. Sean Cunningham tweeted, Namias Keita received stitches in his lip following the slam into the media table that fortunately did not kill me or my laptop and camera. <laughs> Somehow that table survived too. 
Holy wow. shit. Sean, we need to see this footage, first of all. Did he get the footy? I hope so. It, and we're going to find out. We're going to find out. What the hell? Um, I guess Kata was not happy with his play. I'm assuming that that's what it was about. Wow. Or, okay. or did he get? Or did he go for a loose ball at some point in the game that we missed? I don't know. I don't. Or was he really angry? I mean, he had a good game. I was about to say that my other takeaway was Nimi had a, he had a nice bounce back. <laughs> he had a rough twenty third birthday. He had one point, not great tonight. Double double. I mean, what more do you want? Yeah. What the hell? Um, shocked by that one. God, right after we leave, and everything gets good. You know. Okay. Well. <laughs> As we wait for a Sean Cunningham update at some point and, and pray that there's video of that, um, we're going to do a little this or that. And I have two different uh, options here for you. And the first one I'm starting with, it has to do with both of the two-way guys. And the first one we're going to do, who, do you, who would you rather see get more minutes per game or just more minutes with the Sacramento team this season? Namias Keita or Alex Len? Namias Keita, because we talk about upside, players that have upside and who are are a part of the plan. And Alex Len was not great last year. I think he had one game where he had 18 and 10 randomly. It was something crazy. Uh, he wasn't the same Alex Len we saw a couple of years ago. And I, I think that when you have someone like Keita who does have flashes of a guy who can both be a rim protector, someone who can be a lob threat, we saw a lot of that in summer league uh, and who is mobile for a big man. I think you kind of need to tap into that. And he's on a two way. He's going to play a lot in Stockton. I, I think the Kings are of that mindset. They want to probably give him one more season to play uh, every night. He can, which will mean he'll, he'll be in Stockton more so than not. But uh, if I could wave my magic wand, I would make that happen. But what probably is going to happen is going to be Alex Lynn will be the third string center or they'll, they'll find somebody else. That's, that's a uh, more established, but I wish it was. I wish it could be Kata. I want to see what he has. What about you? I do too. Um, I think I still lean Alex Len though. I, I think that Alex Len is better than what we saw last year. Like last year was obviously a complicated season for him with the center roster just being so crowded and obviously everything that happened with his home country, Ukraine. Like it was just an extremely complicated situation for him. And I think that we've seen Alex Len be a really quality center in the NBA. So I think that I still would have Len above Kata in the pecking order, but I'm certainly not mad if, if it is the other way around and that they want to see more from Kata, especially if we're talking about the third center in the rotation with Sabonis. And then if Rashawn Holmes is still around, assuming that those guys are both fives, it's like, I don't know where Leonard Kata is getting many minutes anyways outside of situations where maybe one or the other of those first two guys ends up going down for a little while because of an injury or say Rashawn Holmes gets traded like I think wouldn't be the most surprising thing then you're talking about a little bit of a different situation and I think that I'd rather have Len be the second string center than Kata but I don't mind trying him. I think that he's been impressive, especially in Vegas. I think he had a great bounce back in Vegas after a really tough time at the California Classic. His finishing has been intriguing. Um, I think that his defensive positioning is solid, and he has good size. He still brings his hands down a little bit too often mm -hmm. when I think he could stay vertical, and that's something that Jordy Fernandez pointed out to us. And you still really see that with Nimi. I think that that's something that's really going to hurt him at the NBA level right now, but... 
luckily I think that that's one of the easier things to kind of clean up with someone's game and just takes a little bit of time and kind of discipline so you're not instinctually kind of still swatting at everything. Um, so next one I have is Keon Ellis and KZ Akpala. This one's a little bit different because I know that they are significantly different positions, but in my mind, the reason I laid these two out is because I think that you're talking about still somewhat like the backup three situation. Would you rather have Keon getting minutes here and there as the two, and then you're seeing Herder or Terrence Davis playing the three a little bit more often, or would you rather see KZ Akpala be getting some minutes at the three? Who would you rather see between Keon Ellis and KZ Akpala getting more minutes with Sacramento next season? I'm going to say KZ because if it's Keon, I, I know you love Keon. I like Keon too. That's going to do it for Frank. Man, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> but but if, if we're seeing Keon, it means something bad happened to one of the Kings' uh, four top four guards, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk. If we're seeing Keon Ellis, there's a good probability that one of those guys is injured. And for that, I'm going to say KZ because also – KZ just matches that position of need. If, if KZ can come out and he can be a difference maker next season, or if he does come out into training camp and they don't make another move as the as the starting three, or sorry, bench three, and he is the bench three going in and he can turn some heads, I'm all for that. So uh, right now I'm, I'm more inclined to go with KZ just because, again, position of need, Kings need length. and But Keon, I'm, I've been very impressed with him this summer. I mean, he like he's, that picture of Bobby Jackson – uh, the note, the deflections. That was a great catch, by the way. Because you were saying you wish that he someone was keeping track of it. Well, Coach Bobby was, so uh, he was all and over. Said the at place. the top, that was the magic game. I'm assuming they did this for every game. Yep, because I'm guessing there isn't that kind of those those metrics aren't being measured as far as the the, the deep analytic stuff is not being measured in summer league. Which how dare they? Come on, NBA. What are we doing, yeah. man? Get it's 2022. Together. So <laughs> uh, I I I like Keon game, and I I hope that he does get a crack at an NBA rotation at some point, hopefully here. Uh, but with the way he plays defense, I'm sure he will sooner than later. But I have to go with KZ for the time being. This is going to be a shocker. So do I. Um, wow. It's just, it's just positionally. What? I know. I know. Um, well, it's just because, like, you know, Keon's are obviously going to get his opportunity. Keon's um, not going to talk to you next time we're in practice, <laughs> man. I, I think that KZ is just, like, as of where the roster is right now, without the size that they, with them lacking size on the wing and forward positions, and especially versatility, I think guys that can move their feet well and also have that size, I lean towards KZ. And I also just want to see what he has a little bit more. Like, I feel like Keon is a more simple player that you just know how he's going to work. Like, his, his style of play is very straightforward. I mean, it's just typical 3 and D, like a ball hound that's just getting a ridiculous amount of deflections and steals. And then it's like, KZ, I'm, maybe it's just because I'm not as familiar, but I'm more curious and want to see him get opportunity to see what that looks like. And maybe there's more. I think if they're going into the season again with either one of those guys playing significant minutes, you're probably not in a very good spot. And there's probably still another move that needs to happen. But uh, that's where I'm at with that. And I think it's time to get to some of these Q&A questions. Yes, lay them on us. Anybody in the chat, if you have uh, questions that you want to throw our way, we will answer them in this portion here. And I'll, I'll probably scroll back up here to kind of go through some of them as well. Here's one, uh, Lil Drummer Bowie, or boy. 
who knows uh what did you see with how Keegan defends the perimeter? Will he hold his own or would he need to come off the bench because his foot speed may not be NBA starter ready with Domas defending the paint? Um, let's go with the second. No, we'll do the first part of this question first. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What have you thought of Keegan defensively? Because I- I've kind of, while I've been very impressed with him offensively, I've kind of been a little bit underwhelmed defensively I I never I didn't think he was going to come in and be a difference maker on that end I thought he could just be part of a good defense but not somebody that makes your defense good and I think that's maybe about what we've seen but I I do think that the foot speed isn't amazing I'm not like thinking he's going to get targeted or anything but there haven't been moments where I'm like holy shit he's a really good defender yeah, I mean, I'm not seeing him get beat off the dribble as much, getting blown by or anything like that. I think that he can more than hold his own, and I think arguably his foot speed might even be better than Sabonis's off the eye test. I mean, I don't, Sabonis isn't really known as so. a as a rim protector or lockdown defender by any means. So, um, I, I think that Keegan Murray is a is more than able to carry his own weight on, on defense. And while I don't think he'll be a blow, like a, he's not going to blow anybody away on defense out, off the gate. He's not like a Davion Mitchell player where he's coming in and we're going to say, wow, this guy can really lock down forwards. Uh, I think he'll be a, a, a plus. I think he's going to be a positive to this lineup because the Kings, as we know, haven't been able to defend anybody for about two, three years now. So, yeah, can only go up if not here. longer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other part of that question is the starting five. And I think the way that it feels like an easy question to me, so I feel like people are asking our predictions based on if there will be trades involved and what we think the starting five will be, but I'm going to exclude that because I think it just makes it too complicated. So with the roster that Sacramento is working with right now, what do you think the starting five is, Frank? I feel like we're going to have the same answer here. Uh, I mean, we can go together one by one, right? So I think we're both obviously, obviously – the starting point guard's going to be, be Frankie Ferrari. <laughs> Frankie obviously. Ferrari is the starting point guard. Uh, no. Uh, Fox, obviously. The two guard, I think, is maybe the, the conversation people are kind of mixed on. Uh, I think it has to be Kevin Herter. Do you agree Agreed. with that as well? For sure. Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter. Uh, Harrison Barnes at the three, assuming he's yep. still here, which I think that's pretty likely at this point. Um, at the four, I think you have to go with Keegan. I think you have to start him at the four. If, he's if they don't, point. I'd be shocked. I honestly would – it wouldn't make sense to me. He he is probably their second – or th- sorry, not second. He's probably the third best player right now, I would say. I mean, yeah, right? I, I, I Harrison Barnes – yeah. There's a discussion. Okay, he's we'll pretty say much another HB. He's he's pretty, he pretty much it. They're, he's their fourth – we'll say third, fourth best player, leaning towards fourth. And then Sabonis. I mean, I don't know how else – you can make an argument for Monk over – overheard her you i don't know what else you can really yeah go with though i mean trey lyle should not be the starting four no uh i am with you i i think that i was surprised that we got a couple people asking that question because i really thought that it was a straightforward answer and i think it's exactly what you laid out like the question like you pointed out is probably with the two guard between like monk and herder or some people will tell you davion as of right now, I kind of think that Davion needs to be coming off the bench because if you start both both your point guards, it just makes for weird staggering in your rotation um, you're, that you're kind of forced into. And I just think that Kevin Herter is a decently better player than Malik Monk. Like he's all around, yeah, 
yeah, just as good of a shooter. I, I think that he's kind of a better passer. Um, he has more size. I, I think the biggest difference to me is on the defensive end. Everybody talks about how Monk's a lot better defender last year. Um, I'm still not sure how I feel about that. I think he's somebody that still is probably going to, teams are going to attempt to target him. And I don't think Kevin Herter is that. Like we saw him guarding point of attack um, during his time in Atlanta. And I don't think that that's the most ideal role for him or anything like that. But I, I think it speaks to his him being capable on that end. And, and I just think he's a better defender than Monk and has better size that, I, I mean, all of a sudden the Kings are working with like, three wings that have good size because I, I want to say Kevin Erdrich six seven and then you have two six eights in Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray as your starting lineup like I, I think that it's uh it, it's really solid there someone in the chat is saying start Matthew Della Vadova uh Australian icon and this goes into another question that we got on Twitter <sighs> at Aussack A-U-S-S-A-C-1 uh, thoughts on prioritizing adding an Aussie. A 16-year drought can be snapped with such an obvious move. Aussies are good culture guys and winning players. Nope, Ben Simmons is an exception to the rule. I, um, no, have you seen I, this this joke that like every good team has an Australian player on it? Is that true? Like, uh, I, I forget I mean, where I it guess is. The Spurs had Aaron Baines, right? And he's trying to make his way back. He was kind of injured. Uh, he got, he got he he a has scary a thing. Crazy story. He a scary thing where he passed out in the bathroom at the Olympics and stuff. Uh, that, that like nobody re- knew about until way after it happened. Yeah, re- relearn how to walk. I mean, that's scary. But I'd rather take him if if he's if he's <laughs> healthy. If he's healthy and he's on the way back. I mean, I mean, the Kings need power forward help. I thought power you were a known Matthew Delavadova guy. I'm not a Delvadova guy. I just I he's not really a shooter. People so I can't someone says he's a shooter. He's not a shooter. He's like thirty four percent for his career from three. He's like thirty seven percent from the field for his career. I mean, he's not a shooter. He's just a guy that's gonna be a, a, a pesky like presence. And the Kings could use someone like that, sure. But I hope they use a roster spot on someone else. That's just my thought process. Sorry not to offend the the great country slash continent of Australia, but I'm not a Delvadova guy. I'm not the biggest Delavadova guy either. I'd be okay with it. Like, it's third-string point guard. I'm really not all that worried. Like, I, I think the fact that the Kings' third-string point guard options right now are Matthew Delavadova, Quinn Cook, um, who knows if if Dennis Smith Jr. is part of that. His jump shot was very interesting in, in that workout video. It's Yeah, it's very interesting. I don't know how to feel about it. Um, but that being your third-string point guard options, I'm fine with. That is a solid group for a third-string point guard. I did not mention Shabazz Muhammad because I still do not understand why he was a part of that grouping. I mean, I'd probably say the KZ move takes them out of the Shabazz Muhammad market because they did bring in a small there's a market? forward slash power. <laughs> the market, it's a hot market. It's uh, there's the there's the Kevin Durant trade market, and then there's the Shabazz Muhammad free agent market. So, yeah, uh, that definitely exists for sure. Um, the, let's see, who are your day one starting five? We already touched on that from Rusty Lower on Twitter as well. Um, <laughs> Devin Hestand, at, uh, ATC on Twitter. Stop it. I already know this one. Better under the radar prospect, Frank. Keon Ellis or good in plenties? What's I'm more gonna, underrated? I'm not going to get into this right now. <laughs> this this guy, in, we're in Las Vegas. We're in Las Vegas, Nevada. Sin City. And this man... Like a 72-year-old that's about to watch Deal or No Deal or something puts good and plenty in the fridge. So I have to go into the fridge when I'm trying to get my carrots. Thank you. 
and C, good and plenty. Frank, what's worse, good and plenty's or carrots, dude? I, I don't know. I, you're the only man I've seen eat carrots in a carrots while. Carrots are good lie. for you. They're very good for you. I love carrots. Good and plenty are for old people. You can't change my mind. Carrots are for old people too, for sure. It's for a sure. it's a vegetable, <laughs> Brendan. You ever seen a vegetable before? Not sure. Not sure about that one. Um, all Brendan, right. Why next, you gotta make us? Why you gotta make us? Why you gotta make us fight like this, Brendan? And I fight like this. And I love that Jason Ross pointed out that they have to be chilled. They don't mm-hmm. have to be chilled, but I do more often than not put like every is, candy that I have. It's in the like fridge. you're. You're like equating this to like a Twix bar, which is like delicious when you put it in the fridge, or, or like a, like Reese's cups or something. This is different. Chocolates. Yeah, chocolates. Yeah, yeah I this thought is tamales different. were in the fridge too. I. What's the next question? What's, what's, <laughs> the, what's the, go to the goddamn um, next question right now. Let's see. We got L Dude from the YouTube live chat. What do you guys think of Sasha Vezinkov not coming over this season? What that was that a tiny bit of a swing and miss by Monty? Um, I, I guess I'll start with with this one on on Bezenkov. I think it's fine. I, I think that it, it seemed like they wanted him to come over and maybe the Kings got used as a little bit of leverage. Um, first time that's ever happened in the history of this franchise. And he might be trying to get a little bit more money overseas. And he's just not somebody that like I would want to throw the biannual exception at. I, I'm not sure that he's that caliber of guy. If they did it, then like maybe I would trust their analysis and, and kind of how they feel about him. But... I don't think that it's a swing and a miss either because what was it? The fifth what pick was that? 49th? Uh, I think it was 49th. 49th pick. Yeah. Um, and they still have his rights. Like you could, we could be having this same conversation next year when Trey Lyles and Shemezi Metsu have expired and maybe there's a bigger opportunity. So I'm not all too disappointed. I, I think it would have been nice to see him come over, but it was also like, where is his role on this roster right now? And we could still have this same conversation next year. Yeah. Like would it have been fun? Yeah, it would have been fun, but um, you know, I guess he kind of used the NBA interest to his advantage and he got a little bit of a raise over there and in, in, in Greece. And he, like you said, they have the rights and I think he'll be someone that will be in a King's Jersey sooner than later. But it's not it's not make or break i mean it is scary if they were to give him that biannual that's that's what four million i think four million per year something close to that i think it's two years uh seven or eight so yeah right around there so i think they could probably do something else with that that's more of a you know a proven nba player i don't know who that is yet uh but yuda watanabe my last hope that's here. another guy i've been seeing some names uh that name out a little more um but uh no i i think it would have been cool if sasha would have came over but it seems like the kings are very high on him and i would bank on him coming over next year just just my hunch yeah i think that's uh roughly where i'm at too john here points out carrot cake though, it's delicious and he's right a carrot cake is is good May delicious expected me to be that way uh, Snickers ice cream bars. Have we ever tried Snickers ice cream? Uh, bars? Yes. When I was in high school, we'd go to the Seven Eleven and we'd always be picking them out of the the freezer. They are there they are go. they're goaded for sure. Goaded. Wow. Look at you, young guy Frank over here. I'm um, in my twenties. <laughs> I know you are. You always just talk like you're so much older than me. You know, because I am. I'm like three years older than you are. So <laughs> you're a you're a freshman. I was a senior, right? That's where we're at. Uh, that's a way to put it. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, closing death lineup. He says Davion has to be in there. Ooh. Again, this is Lil Drummer Boy. I haven't thought about this yet. So 
I think for sure we're talking about De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, Keegan Murray. I think those three are obvious. I, I think that HB is obvious too. Dude, I, I think that, I think it's the same lineup. And then if somebody's hot. I don't – I think it's by – I think it'll be shooting guard by committee. I think it'll be either Davion or Herder or Monk. It's going to be by, by committee, I think. Yeah, I, I could see a game Whoever's where Whoever's having maybe, a good night. Yeah, like maybe HB or Keegan isn't quite having a great game and you want to go a little bit smaller. Can you go Davion, De'Aaron, Herder, and then Keegan and Sabonis? Like, sure. I'd have no problem with that being a closing lineup. I, I think that well, HB we, is probably going to want to be out there and should there's be. There's no chance he's not out there. Right? Fox, Sabonis, and Barnes are for sure out there. I'd imagine there's a, an argument. I mean, if Keegan comes out and looks like Marvin Bagley the fourth. I mean, that's going to be an issue. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the the problem. That's I'm not going for that one. Don't need that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do think it, that the shooting guard is going to be like a rotating kind of thing. But yeah, it could be I, Davion. I like if the Kings are playing Portland and Davion's doing a great job on Dame, I could see Davion staying on the floor and Herder or Monk not being in. I don't know. It's just yeah, I, I, I totally see where there's going to be games where it's like, shit, Davion has to be out there because mm-hmm. he's just hounding Damian Lillard or Chris Paul and, and really, like, giving somebody fits. So, I don't know, but, like, talking about this, and this is all just still in theory right now, it's a good option, a good problem to have that I don't think we ever would have been talking about last season. It's like, man, I don't even know how we can figure out the closing lineup because last year it was, damn, what the hell is this? Uh, <laughs> Chris, we shouted you out at the beginning of this, man. We're giving you time to recover. Um, You're healing. He said TFDI. I love it. Um, yeah, so I, I think that it's a good problem to have because the problem going into last season was – what the hell is the closing five? Because there's only four players on this roster that, that probably deserve to be in a closing lineup. So yeah. it's a solid problem to have for sure. Um, let's see. I think I have one other one that I got to find really quick here before I go to our little overtime question that's here as well. Um, what scenario? It's getting dark in here. Is it, is it dark in here real quick? Is it dark? No, you're okay. You're lighting up the room, Frank. <laughs> I feel like I'm dark in here, but okay. Let's keep we're going. almost we're almost done here. Um, Sorry, everybody. What scenario uh, can we end up with OG to help facilitate facilitate KD Raps trade? Um, I am just reading these for the first time. I, I think it's a tough one for the Kings to still try to be involved with any of those deals, and <laughs> um, and I, I think that. Never People a breakthrough that you Chris. hear. <laughs> Chris said this feels like a breakthrough hear. episode. No way. Yes, and, and that was a hilarious reference to a previous YouTube comment that we talked about while we were in Vegas. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. This was like a breakthrough episode. Maybe yeah, it yeah. It, it would be a breakthrough if, if Chris was still here. Um, sorry, I go through OG. I mean, I mean yeah, I, I think sorry. more often than not, what people aren't going to want to hear is that like, if you're getting OG, you might be giving up Keegan. Or Davion, or Davion, and I don't know HB or something. Do they want? Do they want complicated? Do they want that? I don't know. I I don't. Number one, I don't at this point honestly see Kevin Durant being traded. Maybe a hot take. I don't think that the the Nets are going to trade him. I think at this point, and watch tomorrow morning and trade breaks. But I just feel like at this point, <laughs> it's looking more unlikely 
as time passes. They're, they're expecting so much in return, and it seems like it's just not out there for them. People are just not wanting to give up a lot, but they're going to have to. It's Kevin freaking Durant. So I, don't I know. am with you. I love OG, uh, though, but yeah. Um, also, this is from at not sock god. Great name. It might be Frank. Might be Frank. Mister No Socks over here. Burner. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was comfortable in the in the Airbnb. We don't usually film our our pods, and you know what? I'm not wearing socks right now either. What's up? It's 100 degrees. Wow. Yeah. I, I tried to get a feet cam for this one, guys, and it wasn't happening. Um, maybe maybe in the next one. It's a reference to our last maybe. episode. Anybody unaware? We were all sitting on a couch, and uh, Frank had the dogs out. Uh, what other question we it was 100, it's 100, 111 in vegas let the dogs breathe man ridiculous a bunch of horse shit. you have to you have to uh what are the other questions that we got from a couple different people including at nasaka uh final move that we can see monty make like pretty much do we think that hb or rashawn holmes are moved and i'll say i'm getting a little bit closer to thinking it's not gonna happen no I would I would say right now if I had to, if I had to make a prediction I think that Mike Brown really likes Rashawn Holmes Rashawn was there for the introductory press press conference I think that we've like doesn't talking to people I think we've come to hear and find that uh, the organization does really like Rashawn and the fact that Brown is big on him is gonna gonna it's gonna hold some some value there so I think that he probably will stick around HB. It's a tough one because he's inexpiring, and I think that there's interest there for an extension, or was was interest there for an extension, but uh, I, I just don't know. If the Kings aren't going to extend him, they should look to move him. It's simple as that. If they aren't going to extend him, he's not part of the long-term plan, they should look to move him. And if it's not today, it might be in February when his value is a little less, but um, if there's a more likely of the two to get moved, it's going to be HB. I think the same but it's tough, right? Because they trade away HB, they need another HB. Like, they need the same position. We're already talking about how, like, they need a backup three, and I guess Akpala is that right now, but even him being, like, a consistent backup three isn't great. Like, I, I guess the idea would be that Keegan's playing the three, um, which I don't love, but that's fine. I also don't hate it. I, I think that we've seen moments where... He has the capabilities of doing that. So I, I think that it's intriguing, and, and I'm kind of feeling more and more like Harrison might be on this roster at the beginning of next season. Um, and But also we heard Monty McNair say multiple times, unprovoked at the beginning of his introductory presser, like you said, that uh, he doesn't think that they're done. So who knows? I, I'm really not going to be shocked either way. And honestly, I've never been all too interested in being like, an insider that's like telling you what I've heard and it's going to happen. This is just me guessing, not having heard anything. So for what it's worth, um, last thing that we got feet camera, riot, by the way, the chat is demanding this. For you don't want to see that. No, no one wants, don't. No, yeah, please don't. No one wants to see that. My feet, <laughs> uh, my mom has referred to them as caveman feet since I was a kid and they are, they're not, uh, they're not cute or anything. So, um, no, <laughs> But they're but they're breathing. I, I really was expecting a yeah feet conversation in this episode for sure. Last one we got. Um, I had an overtime segment that I wrote up, and I, I'm starting to bring this back. I was doing it for a little while and kind of fell out of it. But the idea for the overtime segment 
is a non-basketball question uh, just to kind of get to know our personalities a little bit more and, and kind of just, just joke around and, and be a little bit more loose. And this one comes from at Makers Misfits. With a loaf okay. of bread, Frank, do yes. you – there's four options here. Do you always, sometimes, only out of necessity, or never eat the butt ends? The crust Absol- is what he says. Absolutely, 100%, never. Yes. I would never touch that with a 50-inch pole, 50-foot pole. Any pole, nothing. Um I think I told you this before on the trip. I'm very, very picky about like old food or food that's expired. I mean, we were at the grocery store at Winco the night we got into Vegas, and we saw again. What the hell is that? Like, a, is that like a health oh, yeah. violation? What we saw that turkey. Sure. We next to all the clean turkey, uh, the deli meat turkey. We saw this one that was literally like someone put moss in a in a Tupperware. Disgusting. Um, the ends of bread, I f- have always, since I was a kid, been scarred because, you know, you, it's, you don't touch them till the end. And one time my mom tried to make me a sandwich with it, and I, like, was inspecting it to make sure it's cool, and I saw mold. Um, so I do not mess with that. Do you – tell me you don't. The good and plenty, no. I'll let it slide. But if you think – if you eat the buttons of bread, you're, act- you're actually a psychopath. I don't have that dog I, to be confirmed. But come on. <laughs> it's about that's about the I, deli thing. I know that that's that's our Australian fan there. Sorry. The, uh, deli. the out of necessity, like it's not like I would never, but it's like I have to be really in a pinch. You know, I I'm real hungry and not trying to go to the grocery store. I can see the grocery store from my apartment window, so that's what makes this a little bit of a different scenario. Like if I need more bread, I'm probably just gonna go get more bread but is it by the pizza place you get a pizza that pizza was good that one time it's true it is right there um but if the uh if you know the podcast check hasn't hit yet and i gotta eat the last loaf of uh the butt of the bread then i'm probably eating the butt of the bread and i have my my breakfast uh nearly every morning is the only thing consistent in my whole life and it involves two loaves of bread it's just an egg sandwich and if I don't two loaves of bread or two Not slices two loaves, of bread? Two loaves, two slices. Two Holy slices. hell. Thank you. Good catch, good catch. My guy. Um, so, you know, if, if it's between using the butt of the bread or, or not having my same breakfast every day, then I guess I'm using the butt of the bread. I'm not feeling good about it, though. No. When I was uh, in school, my roommate and I, we'd, we'd share like a loaf of bread, and one time he had the last slices, and uh, there the, the, butts, the two butts of the bread were there. And instead of having the bread – I ate tortilla chips for breakfast, and I went to class. So, <laughs> I I am dedicated to not ever touching the butt ends of bread. So clearly dedicated. Um, any final thoughts here, Frank? Before we wrap up, man. No, I'm engulfed by darkness. Uh, it was a good summer league for the Kings. The team didn't win the championship, but I think seeing Keegan Murray play like a like, I mean, like a star is the way he looked. He was arguably the best player in the draft class. I and mean, Paolo probably would have had a better. I'm not probably Paolo was probably the most impressive even though he played like what two three games but uh right didn't he play he played a couple games before vegas right uh no actually did he only play one i think he played two because he also played he played before that or um that game against the kings he he played one other game prior to that i believe he he uh he averaged 20 points per game 40 percent from the field i mean he averaged like six Six and five, two and a half steals. Yeah, 
So, I mean, pa- Paolo, who was number one pick, and Keegan were probably one, two. So that's kind of where I'm looking at as a win. So the Kings didn't win the championship. They don't get the rings. Maybe we can get a banner retroactively of, of the past couple times we've won it, but they have won it. I did it again. We talked about how we call the team. <laughs> and we, we talk about the team, we say we. Um, so, yeah, it's a win with Keegan. But that's my last parting thought is I, I feel good about Summer League. If he doesn't play tomorrow, I still feel good about it. So I'm with you. If Keegan does not get uh, the – summer league mvp then we will absolutely riot um what that guy say to james uh the the portugal fan to james about nimi it said we there's we will like rain upon sacramento or something <laughs> we will like it was I something don't remember cri- the line but i know what you're talking about it was it something goes wild. to chris to chris's line that he says all the time is that they can't stop us all that's about the rating area 51 <laughs> thing when everyone was going to rush and and jump the the fence area 51. It's and I love it. Chris said it during the trip. They can't stop us all. So, um we will go riot outside of Cox Pavilion. Oh Jesus. Yeah, or or maybe we'll we'll go somewhere else. We'll see. Um that's going to do it for this episode of the Kings Bulls podcast. Definitely check out Franklin Cardicelli at F Cardicelli 3. And the third amigo that's not here, I swear we would have invited you, Chris. I love you. And if you have Rest not up, already buddy. followed Chris, yes, like I mentioned at the beginning, at Chris M. Watkins, definitely be sure to do that. Phenomenal content, and we're going to peer pressure him into having more Kings takes more often on there. Um, take Also, take a look at the Kings Herald for regular um, – coverage from myself and all the other guys and gals there and take a look at their patreon to support local independent kings coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's Pulse podcast please subscribe rate and review and hear from us again in the next couple of days